You're listening to Wood Talk Online with your hosts, Mark and Matt. Take it away, boys. Welcome to Wood Talk Online, a podcast for woodworkers by woodworkers. This is episode 18 for October 2nd, 2007. I'm Mark Spagnolo. And I'm Matt Vanderlist. And as always, let's get this right out of the way up front because I need it to be thrown in my face occasionally because I forget stuff so easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions, see, I almost forgot what I was going to say next. <laughs> <laughs> comments, questions, suggestions, feedback, you can send us one of those at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. We also have a voicemail in case you, you have a little trouble typing once in a while. You get some fat fingers or something. You can pick <laughs> up your landline, your cell phone, and you can call us on our voicemail, our Skype voicemail number, which is 623-242-2450. And as always, these will be in the show notes because you probably have a memory just like me. And if that's the case, you totally forgot what the number is already. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what's, going, what's new, Mark? What's going on with you? Oh boy! Just got back from the uh, from the podcast, the New Media Expo, uh, that was in Ontario, California. So uh, nice, yeah. For anybody who doesn't know, that is uh, just a little convention. Uh, it's the third year, I believe, that they've had it, and it's for podcasters and bloggers and, uh, and basically anybody who's venturing into new media. Which, um, in case you don't know, if you're listening to this, that's what this is. It's absolutely new media. So. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. There's a lot of uh, unique people that are into this type of thing. And I mean, it runs the gamut. You've got the really serious people, the people who are in it for profit, uh, the people who are in it for fun, and uh, the people who I'm really not sure what they're in it for, but they're there. Are they like Trekkies? Like, are they, do they dress up as their favorite podcast? <laughs> well, some of, like them, walk <laughs> some of them do. Some of them are, are very devoted. I mean, it's it's a very unique group of people. It was It was kind of amazing. But they had some very in- interesting sessions. And I mean, really, the overall theme is uh, in all of these sessions is how to make money from your podcast is really what it comes down to and how to market it and all the different aspects of, of, of that type of uh, venture. But the interesting thing was there's such a large number of people there uh, that clearly are not interested in that, that don't even attend the sessions. They're just there to hang out. Yeah, <laughs> and like to see friends. So, so it was a little bit odd, you know. I mean, we we generally at Wood Talk Online. That's kind of you know for the most part that's for fun for for both of us. And I think our other uh, sites we try to push in a little bit harder to to possibly be for profit. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's interesting to see the different personalities and how they translate to the type of media that they put out there and what they try to do in order to uh, to succeed in that medium. So, okay. So it sounds like you had the podcasters and the party casters. Oh, was basically man. what it was. Party casters left and right, man. It was <laughs> great. I mean, we met some really cool people. There was, a, it was a lot of fun, but, um, I'm not a hundred percent sure that it was worth the money to, to go there as far as learning and making the connections. It was certainly not as fruitful as going to, uh, the Vegas wood show for us, but, Gotcha. Uh, yeah, but we had a good time, and we used to live in that area. So uh, going to Ontario was kind of cool. We got to go see our, our first house that we lived in just to kind of, you know, see if the, the neighborhood went downhill after we left. But, in fact, <laughs> it uh, it went uphill from what I understand. I was so. going to say it probably <laughs> thrived right afterwards. So like, yeah, oh, I mean, all the, all the plants started growing again, and I, I don't know what's going on. But... And there was that perpetual rain cloud that finally <laughs> moved aside. <laughs> yeah, that must have been it. I don't know. But, uh yeah, so we got back, and now I'm just trying to get everything back in order, get some shows uh, recorded, get some shows in the can here. And um, I, I actually meant to go in the shop today, and I just, uh, I don't know, it's one of those days where you're in that funk, and it's kind of hard to get back in there. 
yeah, I, I totally understand that there's there are those days when I just look at the door and it's like I no can enter. Enter at <laughs> yeah. your own risk. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know what it is. And you know what? As much as I love woodworking, it's like anything else. Sometimes you need a little bit of a breather and I am between projects, so it's it's a good time to take a break. But uh actually recently I had written an article for uh Wood Talk Online, so it should be on the site uh probably one or two posts back, uh concerning shop setup and the 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 gist of it was the fact that I get a lot of questions from people asking me about setting up the shop and I'm, I'm setting up my shop for the first time and I want to make sure I do it right. And mm-hmm. uh, where should I put my outlets and uh, very good questions, but Absolutely. the, over, yeah, I mean the, the overall theme is that they, they seem to want to hit the perfect setup the first time. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, and I mean, how many, obviously depending on how limited your, the size of your shop is, sometimes you don't have a choice, but um, how many times would you say that either a new piece of equipment's come in or you've just been inspired to rearrange your shop? I would say at least once a month easily. I mean, <laughs> okay. that's, that's what it really is. It's that, it's that inspiration where you're just suddenly like, you know, especially for me, the inspiration hits right after I finish a project. Cause somehow yeah. it's like, the way that the work flowed, suddenly I just like, oh no, it's got to go this way, and yeah. and then as soon as I get done with the next project, I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? It's got to go back that way, and right? Yeah, just yeah. It's, it's it's evolving. Yeah, and that I find it's also very therapeutic after a long project to uh, devote some time to the shop specifically. I mean, that for some reason I don't I don't know why, but that's extremely therapeutic for me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, of course afterwards, when the shop is nice and clean. You walk in there and everything looks great. I mean, you're kind of afraid to dirty it up again, but it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, you just want to sit in there, uh, you know, grab your uh, favorite beverage, put your feet up and uh, turn some music on and just hang out for a little bit, you know? Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, there's plenty of time that I'll, I'll walk into the shop just simply to be in there. And yeah, that's it. I'm not doing yeah. anything. <laughs> I guess I, I know we're definitely not the only ones. I know this is uh, anybody who spends a lot of time in their workshop, male, female, young, old. I think we all kind of have that same magical feeling when we walk in there, which is kind of, I don't know, kind of weird, but uh, I think that's just the way it is. It's it's kind of like when you're deeply in love with your significant other and you just want to be with them. That's yes, all it is. Yes, that's exactly right. I'll be right <laughs> back. I need to go be with someone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, enough. Get away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's probably what she would say to me. But <laughs> anywho, so anyway, the article covered that topic, and I, I kind of wanted to spur a little bit of a discussion, you know, between us concerning that. Um, you know, the thing is, it really comes down to what makes the most sense for the moment. And sometimes that evolves. Like like you found out as you do one project or another, you realize this setup isn't going to work anymore. But, um, you know, you will always, no matter how many years you're doing this, you'll always find better ways or more interesting ways to set things up. And And truthfully, sometimes just rearranging things just for the sake of rearranging things is really, really cool. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, I do that in my house all the time. If it's a room that can withstand it, uh, if I can move, you know, maybe put the couch on the other side or move a table over here. I just like to see things look different and I can appreciate them in a different way. And it's the same exact thing with my workshop. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds so familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's it's kind of neat, but uh, I'm going to actually put some links in the show notes. I'm going to uh, contact the folks at Fine Woodworking and see if they could... Uh, make available some really cool articles concerning setting up shop. And uh, for anybody who has questions on that, setting up a new shop, rearranging your old shop, electric concerns, um, you know, uh, setting up your outlets, dust collection, things like that. We'll provide some of those resource links there for you in the show notes and uh, uh, save the links. Cause I think if, you know, if you're not rearranging things now, you will be someday in the future. 
Absolutely. I can't tell you how many times I should, you know what? Nah, never mind. I was going to say I should mark them out on my floor, but I'd have zigzags everywhere. It would be insane. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, it grows. And and yep. you're right. It's, it doesn't matter whether it's a new piece of equipment or whatever. At some point, you, you need to change. <laughs> yep, you have to be fluid. It's a it's a constantly changing thing. So Right. Absolutely. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? Uh, well, we think we're going to save this for the end, but uh, um, yeah. But you know what? We always we're evolving at the show, anyways, so we change things around quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, we do, we do. But uh, I just want, let's get everybody's mouth watering a little bit for yeah, something give a that's coming out of the show. Yeah, let's let's tease people a little bit. And uh, you know what? This is the week that we're going to do our our Highland uh, bandsaw blade giveaway. So now that Woo! I've said that, don't you dare skip to the end of this. Don't oh, fast forward this. I can hear it now. <laughs> no, that's me talking normal. What are you talking oh, about? Okay. <laughs> Your special language. Uh, yeah, I mean, another exciting giveaway. This is our second one, so hopefully we uh, can keep this going as long as uh, Highland Woodworking will let us. Yep. And, uh, I <laughs> yeah. also wanted to quickly mention we, we finally had our first Festool giveaway uh, winner over at the Wood Whisperer. Oh and, sweet! Uh, well, I gave you my address already. So yes, it's, it's on. It's on the way, Matt. I okay. hooked you oh, up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the the winner was Alan, and I believe I don't have it in front of me. I think he's from Washington. Uh, but Alan won a brand new ETS one twenty five sander, and um, I told him to send me some pictures when he gets it because uh, I think that's pretty cool when uh, you get a top notch sander like that for free. Absolutely, congratulations, Alan. Yeah, that is really really. Uh, now, are they going to be like action shots? Because there could be a lot of sawdust on the on the lens. That'd I will accept nothing less but action shots. So okay. he better fi- figure out a way to do it. Dust flying everywhere, and uh, <laughs> you know, let's see it. Let's see the action. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, hey, now that we've gotten through all our fun stuff, mm-hmm. uh, maybe we should head into some emails because those are kind of fun. Well, yeah, yeah, we're we're backing up on the emails now. People are finally coming through and, uh, and hooking us up. So we will do, do our best to, to field the questions here. Absolutely. Keep those emails coming in. Again, it's woodtalkonline at gmail.com, or you can send one over to the voicemail. Again, 62324 Two two four five zero. Wow, I totally almost messed that one up. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I don't know how you're. I, I don't even know what the number is. So I'm, I'm glad you're the one who has to say it. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I said, it'll be in the show notes because I won't remember it either. <laughs> yep, there you go. All right, so let's go into our first email. And oh, we have one from our old buddy Ski. Hey, Ski, Ski. it's been a while. Yeah, it has. He's been busy, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, it looks like we have two questions here, and uh, let's start with question number one, or the first half at least. And this is a finishing question. All right. Woo-hoo. Let's see what we have here. I'm working on refinishing a piece, sanded everything down, tightened up some loose loose pieces, and everything was going well. Then I picked out a finish, a minwax wood finish for the staining, and it went very well. Dark even color. I applied the finish liberally. And it's and it stand for about oh let it stand for about ten to fifteen minutes. I would it stand. He says let it stand for about ten to fifteen minutes. Then he wiped off the excess. I was very happy with the result and went inside. Two days later, the piece is still tacky and wiping a cloth over it picks up stain. It says that the rag is dirty. Okay, I was also excited to complete the finish with a couple coats of poly, but now I don't know how to proceed. And the first part, should I let it continue to set for a couple more days and hope it tries? Uh, do I need to wipe it all down again because this, there is stain seeping back out of the grain? I don't want to have to sand down, sand out all the new stain I just put in, but I can't understand why it's still wet, what I do wrong. And he has so a couple of helpful clues here. Let's see. He's, well, number one, skis in Minnesota and Minnesota, very similar to Michigan where cooler days, even cooler nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says it's an oak piece from 1924. And, uh, more or less he's clueless. Picture someone reading the instructions for their screwdriver. 
I don't have to picture it. I do it all the time. So let's see. Uh, <laughs> Lefty Lucy. <laughs> yeah, what it's, it's slot goes in. <laughs> okay, uh, I have no clue what the original finish was that I removed with the sanding. And he thinks that maybe we can help him out. And he's calling us woodies because he thinks, you know, what they call people who know too much about food foodies. So, okay, I see where the connection yeah, is there. I'll, I'll, be a, I'll be a woody. I got no problem with that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe a, I'm more like a Buzz Lightyear. But <laughs> Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> hey, so good was, one. Yeah, Toy Story reference. The moon. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that was a good one. I hope everybody gets that. <laughs> but anyway, so now that I've totally destroyed that, let's go back in here. Let's see. So he, he let it set for two days, came back. It's still tacky. And he's wondering what's going on here. Now, my first thought is he says that it's a the rag is dirty, but I don't – I'm not sure if really if that's the problem unless there's some sort of solvent or something on the rag. Mm-hmm. But – the one thing I'm wondering, I'm going to totally take a stab in the dark here, is it. he says that it's an oak piece from 1924. I'm wondering if it's possible that whatever it was originally stained with or sealed with, if perhaps that's what we're running into, as if it's some sort of maybe like reverse chemical reaction or something, like the new stain is not working with the other one. If somehow yeah. over that time period – you know, whatever kind of sealer or maybe a, a lacquer or whatever else, you know, it, it got in there or something, and it didn't come off all the way is what I'm wondering. Like I said, I'm taking a huge stab in the dark because this is – I'm actually kind of boggled by this myself. Sure. Um, you know, two days, is a, that's a long time. Even Yeah, it is. You know, even even with, you know, uh, humid temperatures and stuff, it's still it, – by this point, it should be it should be dry. Well, he so. says uh, specifically that it's uh, – I guess the last few weeks, it's been 65 during the day and 50 at night. So – um, thinking in terms of environmental conditions, that's not too bad. I mean, for stain, mm-hmm. obviously, if you can be 70 or above, you're in better shape. But the fact that he's going to have a full at least eight hours a day of 60 plus degree temperatures, I think the stain is probably in its, you know, at least in a reasonably close to its curing range. So I wouldn't necessarily blame the weather um, at this point. That wouldn't mm-hmm. be my first guess. Uh, a couple of the other things kind of clue, clue me into what might be going on. And again, I don't know for sure either. It's it's a little bit difficult to tell. Um, first of all, yeah, he's refinishing a piece. So there could always be embedded and, uh, you know, residual finish that maybe he thinks he got it all off. But if he sanded it, maybe he ground it down into the wood fibers. So that's just not picking up much more. So when he, uh, yeah. you know, overlaid it and flooded it with stain, uh, he wiped off the excess, but even that little bit of excess is still just really sitting on the surface and not actually uh, being absorbed and drying. So that could certainly be part of the cause. Um, you know, it is oak. So oak is a very wide open poured wood. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, you know, you'll find this if you do a regular oil finish, just a, a, a oil, maybe even oil of varnish mixture uh, on oak. You can come back an hour or two later and still find droplets seeping out of the grain that have initially absorbed but still continue to seep out as as the curing process begins so it may be something like that um let's see no i think that pretty much would would cover the possibilities now what the question is what should he do yeah Uh, you know i mean Uh, it's it's tacky stain at this point my fear is that you know if he wipes too hard or if he just you know the the easiest thing to get it to cure is to take some mineral spirits and wipe the piece down but okay. that is going to that's just going to wreak havoc on the actual stain itself it's going to be very hard for mm-hmm. him to get like even stain coverage so you know what Ski, i say 
go on eBay, find a similar piece, purchase it, and just call it good. That's a quicker fix. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a good option. Um, I would say, first of all, continue wiping it down. I mean, I know it's two days, but at, it's probably at the point now where it's beyond hope as far as that that wipe down period. It's probably cured just enough that it's so sticky that even if, if there is stuff on the surface and he wipes a rag across it, it's probably going to catch and it's going to make this just gooey, nasty kind of mess. Okay. So yep. I would say that you might, you might be in trouble at this point. Um, you know, some people might just go ahead and overlay the poly on it, but the problem is you put another finish on top of an uncured finish and you're just going to, you're, you're setting up a recipe for disaster at that point. So um, what I probably would do is take a rag full of mineral spirits uh, or naphtha and try to wipe the piece down very carefully. Probably mineral spirits because you want a little bit of a longer working time. Okay. Uh, and try and get the excess off while leaving behind a nice even color. Okay. Okay. You don't want to push or, or push on the uh, rag too hard because we don't want to remove all of the color. We just want to even it out. So uh, that would be my suggestion. And once you do that, it, that will most likely then cure and uh, then after a couple of days, he could he could coat it with poly. Sounds good. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's, that's probably my best guess, uh, short of just stripping the whole thing down and starting over, which would be just a, a, a shame for him to have to do all that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I'd go for that. Or either that or just simply, again, one of my mantras. eBay. It's Yeah, there's eBay. <laughs> <laughs> or my other favorite mantra is, hey, it's custom woodworking. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, there you go. If it's a little blotchy, you know, hey, I made it at home. What are you going to do? <laughs> do you know how much I charge people for this? <laughs> <laughs> it's a special sponge-painted uh, sort of look. All right, moving on to uh, Ski's second part of his question, uh, which pertains to joinery. He says, here's a puzzle for you. I have a board that is eight feet long, four and a half inches wide, and three quarters of an inch thick. I want to reduce the thickness of just the last 10 inches by a total of an eighth of an inch so that uh, I guess he has a sixteenth of an inch on each face being removed. Okay. Uh, so to make it more complex, he doesn't have a dado blade. Ooh. Wants to know how we'd uh, proceed with the operation. So just to clarify, it's almost like putting a giant, from what I understand, like a giant tenon. Right. On the end of this piece of wood? That's that's what I'm picturing. I, yeah, it's exactly. I'm kind of like off the end, a little thing off sticking out the back end. So. Yeah, so he's he's trying to do uh, the last 10 inches. Now, the first thing that comes to mind for me is a router. Yep, same here. If he, yeah, if he gets a router and makes some sort of a, a jig or a little bit of a sled that holds the router up the proper distance, like even with the board, maybe take some scrap that's the same thickness as the board – and it's kind of hard to describe. It would be, a lot, I mean, if he gets it, he'll be able to kind of put two and two together and figure it out. Um, but use this to kind of maneuver around so that you have some support on the outside edge of that router and just use a straight bit. And um, you should be able to hog away most of the material and maybe grab a chisel and a hammer and uh, bring it back to the line. Uh, or if you can come up with a way of using some stops, uh, you probably wouldn't even necessarily need to use the chisel. You could just uh, wait till the stop hits the end of the board and go all the way across and get a nice clean uh, cut, eighth of an inch or quarter, what is it, sixteenth on each side. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds. I, mean, I was kind of picturing a sled like that also. Yeah. Just kind of nibble away a little bit, kind of like you said, kind of hog it out as you're getting closer yeah. to the edge. Yeah, and I, I can't think of anything other than a router that would really be sensible to do uh, offhand. Yeah, no, that 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 is probably the the best way to do it. Yeah, almost kind of like I have this image of like just a simple board. Maybe if you have some sort of like collet that you could rest up against. Yeah, take your straight edge and just slowly start moving it back, or take it outside, set up your table saw, and if you can get a really big like fence so that you can stand the eight foot up on on length. <laughs> 
and run it through like you would like one of those tendoning jigs. Uh, there you go. Yep. Well, he also needs to go. Although that that sounds very fun and rewarding. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's a ten inch cut, so you'd have to have a damn big blade to be able to, to hog away uh, ten inches. Well, I didn't say there was any. There wasn't any flaws in the plan, but <laughs> well, <laughs> but, uh, well, of course that was the only flaw in the plan. Yeah, that is way, it. So. But it happens once in a while. <laughs> 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 Another thing I had thought about, and this is again, is it's really kind of you're going to have quite a few steps in there, but um. Maybe you don't have a router or a uh, maybe if you have a circular saw. Have you ever seen it where like you just take multiple passes and you almost like yeah. with you know like Norm once in a while when he is making uh, like a, a, a tongue or something he'll just kind of just yep. pass it with a single blade with just a circular curve per yeah, shot. Yeah, yep. one curve at a time, basically a, a sixteenth of an inch at a shot. <laughs> yeah, you you could definitely do that with a circular saw. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, 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 would, it definitely takes some time, and you'd have to come up with a, you know the chisel or something or just something to clean it up maybe get in there with sand you know a, a decent sander and yeah kind of clean up those curves marks it, it's yep. it's gonna take a while to do it um in fact it'd be horribly painful while to do it but it, it's potentially feasible <laughs> yeah i'd say so that sounds good or one more shot hey get a handsaw and this is your opportunity to practice your really big tenons <laughs> oh man imagine trying to make a straight cut by hand all the way down 10 uh, inches that that's madness yeah that's when you gotta get that two-person lumberjack one just kind of <laughs> <laughs> two-sided saw how do you get out here and help me out <laughs> <laughs> Not sure that would work, but that sounds good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Hopefully that'll help you out there. Give you a couple of different ideas. I think definitely the Mark's right. The, the router is probably your best way to go. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Let's see here. The next one. Who do we have here? We have Steve. Hey guys, when you guys started woodworking, I assume you didn't have a dedicated shop. Yeah, kind of. Uh, where did you do your work? Here's the background for this question. Okay. Now Steve's saying he's in limbo between undergrad and graduate school and he lives in a small apartment. I have no garage, and I can't convince my wife to let me set up shop in the living room. I'm going to hold my comment about that in just a second. Uh, (laughs) So far, I have used my Jeep Cherokee as a workbench. I just flip up the back door and use a little portable table vice thing my brother found at a garage sale and a bunch of cheap hand tools, and I go to work right in the parking lot. I only ask this question because winter is coming, and I am not too excited about standing in the snow every time I get an itch to cut a dovetail or something. What uh, a wuss. Yeah, come on, man. Think about what our <laughs> forefathers did. Come on, man. That's, uh, okay. Anyway. So anyway, Steve says he gets a kick out of other people's experience. So this is definitely one of those. We could use some feedback on this. Maybe if you've got a, a great idea, something you know, we get a, a good chuckle out of, or a, a serious yeah. one it might be worth hearing. I know myself, I... I've been lucky enough that since I started woodworking, I always had either the garage or the basement. Uh, the mm. way he's describing what his little makeshift thing is, you, you ever watch like with uh, either uh, uh, Norm show with with uh, the, the New Yankee Workshop or with um, this old house? I've always got that thing where the guy's like going to make a cut for a gazebo and he cuts right through his uh, sawhorses. So he, <laughs> yeah. he sets it on, his, he pot, drops down the back end of his his truck and makes his cut that way. That's that's what I was right. picturing from his description here. <laughs> that's what it sounds like pretty much. The only thing I can think of is I know that there are some uh, woodworking clubs, guilds, um, even some like uh, the the big uh, woodworking tool centers and stuff will actually have like not only tool rental, but you can actually rent workbench space. And it seems like if you're in a, in a college town, it's kind of the impression I'm under here. You might be lucky enough to have one of those nearby that maybe this could be, you know, a nice way for you to kind of get away, do your stuff and hmm. maybe be in a warm environment versus, you know, out yeah, in the snow true. or anything. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, that makes sense because uh, I know a lot of schools do have these programs and even, you know, the non-credit courses uh, you can get in and then have access to uh, the facilities. Um, I know there are some of those, you know, sort of, I don't know if they're co-op shops, but the shops where basically you could pay a fee, yeah. it's like a, gy- a gym membership and uh, you could use the shop uh, for that. But again, that's that's very dependent on your location. I, I don't know for sure if they have any around him, but it's certainly worth looking up. Right. Um, you know, it will be interesting to hear how people started out. Um, for me, I started in... Well, I've always been kind of handy, but I've ne- you know when I was in an apartment, I had no need for doing anything, so I didn't even think about woodworking until I had a house. Right. Uh, once I had a house, that meant I had a garage. So um, with the garage, I was able to get the saw, and of course, we were lucky. Actually, our first house was a three car garage. So of course, what do I do? I take the one car garage, and you know, I I feel like you know Mr. Big Man out there in my little one car shop, and uh, well, you were on the little one car shop, Mr. Big Guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. And I I was uh, hanging out there, and you know, showing it off to uh, to my wife, who really didn't give a crap about it. But <laughs> You're um, you know, <laughs> yeah, so it, it was awesome. I loved it. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, just like this shop evolution concept, this is a, a timely question, you know, in relation to that conversation we had. Because, you know, you sit there and you go, okay, well, now I got a new tool. Where do I put it? You know, so one car garage soon became making the negotiation with Nicole to see if we can switch, you know. And I said, look, I'll put the gym equipment on the one car side and forget about parking in there. We were never parking in our garage anyway. We we use it for too many other things. Uh, but I said, let me take the two-car garage. I'll make everything look nice and pretty on the one-car garage uh, side, and everybody will be happy, right? So, of course, that worked. She was cool, and, you know, thankfully, Nicole's real flexible with that. And uh, then I got another tool, and, uh, of <laughs> course, one thing leads to another. Next thing you know, all three bays of the uh, the garage are pretty much dedicated to uh, the, to the workshop and the exercise equipment is stacked up against the wall in the corner somewhere. Um, so that was how I ended up with my, you know, taking control of all, all three bays. And then until, you know, we moved to Arizona when I have, you know, a fully expanded, dedicated, uh, shop space in my garage now. So, um, it is an interesting story to hear how people get to their final, you know, well, close to their final, um, you know, place where they're actually, uh, set up to to have a dedicated shop but uh if anyone has any good stories man definitely put them in the comments i would love to read that too yeah absolutely you know and, and steve that whole thing with your wife not letting you set it up in the living room that's just she's <laughs> got to think about the fact that you know where you are and you know you, you're doing all this for her too let's get serious <laughs> yeah. that's why i do my woodworking it's for the love of my family that is a good man listen to you yeah um you know i've had a few <laughs> i've had a few listeners um actually contact me from uh from the wood whisperer and they uh, there's a couple guys that i know that are wor- woodworking in apartments okay and believe it or not i may have even mentioned this before i had one guy um describing his setup and i think he just uses a spare bedroom and tries to soundproof it as best he can and doesn't really woodwork past 6 o'clock. And uh, he, he he was buying a, a planer and apparently bought the uh, the little benchtop DeWalt, uh, you know, lunchbox planer. Uh-huh. And I don't know if you've ever been around one of those <laughs> when it's running. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, all my tools now, even my 20-inch 20, 20 Powermatic planer, uh, my jointer, table saw, you name it, there is no tool louder than that tool oh yeah i I mean it is the loudest thing i've ever been around 
and this dude is running it in an apartment. <laughs> oh, I was like, man, I was like, you have got some big ones, dude, because you're going <laughs> to, people are not going to be too happy with you. But yeah, everybody's um, going to know your name in that apartment, and it's not for good reasons. <laughs> yeah, but hey, you know what? All the power to him. The man wants to do some woodworking, and, uh, you know, I tried to encourage him to use hand tools as much as possible, but. Um, I just I couldn't imagine vacuuming sawdust and wood chips out of my carpet. I think that would be kind of funny. Oh, you know, I remember reading something, or maybe it was one of our listeners. You know, one of the first ones was talking about getting into woodworking, and he had a little storage unit down in the in the in the basement of the uh, the apartment building. Okay, and that was what he was. They were supposed to be putting like suitcases and stuff like that in there, but that's oh, where he man. had his shop set up. And nice. that was he kind of the same thing. He was, you know, certain times of the day would not do it and everything else. And yeah, he did have one tenant that said he went ballistic on him, but you know, other right. than that, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> wow. Well, you know what? That that just goes to show you there is there's nothing that can stand in the way of a, a determined woodworker that uh, wants to practice his hobby. Absolutely, or her hobby as well. Yep. Okay, moving on. We've got um, now. I've got two questions here. They're more. The reason I put these in here is uh, kind of to help these guys out. I don't really have an answer for them, and if if you have anything to add, uh, by all means, throw it in there. But okay. I really just want to read these to see if any of our listeners have answers for these guys that you could post in the comments uh, section of the the page. I just I, I can't help them. Okay, let's um, see what we got here. Then. <laughs> yeah, the first one here is from Jeff. He says, I'm planning on doing a couple outdoor projects now that the weather's starting to be bearable. We want to build a ground-level deck around the backside of the house with either a pergola or a gazebo on it. I've been told that the wooden decks can potentially void a termite contract, and the company that treats us is less than helpful in the matter, as it seems that they would prefer us to be void, clearly. <laughs> uh, you guys got any insight on the subject? My first thought was using composite decking, but it would, uh, it would put the cost out of reach. I would think that the I would think that there's a product designed for this application, uh, and he says if what he was told was accurate. So, being in South Carolina, being on the property that is uh, bordered by wetlands, termites are rampant. Uh, so he says thanks, and um, honestly, I really don't know. I'm not that familiar with uh, construction materials in general. I know that the composite stuff would be great. We've used that in uh, in uh, I think my mom's deck uh, when we lived in California it was awesome. Uh, but we don't have really big termite issues there. So uh, I'm going to throw it out there to the audience and see if anybody can give Jeff uh, some good advice on that. Yeah, really. Yeah. Do you, do you know only, anything about that? The only thing I could think of is if, you know, there are those woods that are those species that are definitely less rot resistant and a little yeah. less, you know, um, they're not really the favorite of the, the, the insects. And, of course, it'd be like yeah. cypress. I mean, cypress is one that, you know, Definitely is really known for the fact that it stands up so well to insects and stuff like that because it you know it does pretty much grow in swampland. Sure, but then again, you're going to get into that cost prohibitive because I can't imagine that cypress, oh, it, you yeah. know, being any cheaper than you know the composite decking. I mean, it seems like it's definitely a beautiful wood, but something that size for a deck or for yeah. you know a pergola that that's that just well, that that's, well, that's a lot of it. Yeah, and the real question here is not even so much so much that, but it sounds like the termite company is the problem. What what is your con? You know what's in the contract, Jeff? Look, see if you can get a copy of the contract if you don't still have one, and find out what qualifies. You know, voiding the contract. What will actually you know screw that up for you? Uh, it's I know they don't want to be helpful, but you could always go to a different company if they're being that uh, you know that 
unhelpful yeah. about it, but it, they could have some arbitrary rule that even if you use composite decking, you get screwed. So, you know, that, that's really your first step is to, to look a little deeper into that contract and find out what you're up against. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So got another question from a Mark with a C, uh, in Red Bank, New Jersey, that is. He says, Are you sure that's uh, not you? Because that's a New Jersey guy, and that's a C yep. too. And you got a C too. Uh, you know, I know where Red Bank oh. is. I didn't spend too much time there, though. I was a, a I was a Trenton boy. Whoa. All right. So, all right. Uh, <laughs> I'm, he says I'm going to do some exterior trim work using Azec boards. Now, this is interesting because we we're, we're talking about, um, uh, you know, the. Uh, what are they? The manufactured materials. Right. Here. It sounds like we're going to deal with another question on that, which clearly is why I know nothing about it. That's why it's here. <laughs> uh, using AZEK boards, A-Z-E-K. Uh, from what I understand, they're made of a PVC derivative. I cut a few of them on my compound miter saw with an old blade uh, just to get a feel for it, and it seems to gum up. Not sure if this is characteristic of the product or if it's just a dull blade. Can this stuff be bad for my good sharp blades? Thanks, um, Mark and Red Bank. So my first thing is I am very, very cautious about my blades, and the only thing that goes through my tools is wood. Yeah. Um, you know, even hardwood, softwood, whatever it takes, it, it's got to be wood, and it's got to be relatively clean wood with no metal. Uh, possible chances of metal being in there. Um, these PVC derivative type products, what's going to wind up happening is in all likelihood, it's going to just heat up so much, no matter how sharp your blade is, it's going to heat up the, the whatever plastic material might be in there. And then that's, what's going to gum up and ball up and become a problem for your blade. So I think it will be okay to do it, but I think you're going to wind up with some issues. I personally would not do it. Right. Yeah. I, uh, can you say sacrificial blade? Uh, yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> but if he's if he's thinking um, about, well, let's see, does he mention, it doesn't look like he's going to be planing anything. So I think right. he is just talking about the, the miter and a table saw. This is a good time to, uh, you know, get a, maybe get a junker blade or um, promote one of your current blades to the junker blade. Yeah, it's, um, it's a good reason why you should go out and buy a new one. So you can be like, well, this one is so old that I'm willing to yeah. just let it kind of get beaten up a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, I think the problem is it's just going to heat up too much. Um, you might want to get something with you know very little teeth and aggressive blades so it doesn't have as much opportunity to heat up in there. There may be blades specifically for that material, so look into that. But if anybody has experience uh, with this material that, uh, that Mark's talking about, uh, send us some information on that, and uh, hopefully we can get him set up. Uh, but my gut... Instinct tells me, yeah, yeah. don't uh, don't do don't use it on your good blades. That's for sure. No way. Yeah, I just I just have too many images of not not just getting gunked up, but just I somehow like at the microscopic level because you know I've got microscopic vision. Of uh, course, just seeing like those little just nicks and bites and just somehow it, yeah, yeah, it, it just can't be pretty. good. No, not, it, not a good thing. No, no heat with your blades, not necessarily a good thing. So nope. Cool. All right. Well, yeah, definitely get us some feedback, people, please. All right, let's see. We got another question here. Sorry, that I, the old man and me just suddenly realized I had to uh, sit upright. <laughs> he sounds like he's not like my dog. Every time he lays down, he has to go. <clears throat> <laughs> no, that's just that's me all the time. <laughs> yeah, I love the old man sound. That's great. All right, so here we go. This one, uh, who is this from? This is from Fred, and Fred says, "Mark and Matt, insert usual kudos here." Okay, well, we got about another five minutes, so I can throw mm -hmm. something in there. there um, let's see. I don't know the jig referenced, but with my D4R. I find that through dovetails are easier than half blind, not because it's not a not uh, not because it's not a two step process because it is, 
Let me get my brain as a two-step process. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Not because you don't have to change the bits, but because you do, but because you can sneak up on the final dimension with the pins. With half-blind dovetails, it's pretty much once cut, you're done. Two sample boards for each test cut. Now, with through dovetails, you have a little more wiggle room. Cut the tails following the directions, then cut the pins a little oversized, and then work them down to a snug fit. And the end result is a nice, tight fit, a tight, nice, tight fit without having to sacrifice extra wood. I guess it all depends on your definition of easier. As a side note, I like to point out that while dovetails and plywood is a real pain in the beep, uh, through dovetails and plywood are a disaster. And therefore, if you want to make some dovetail plywood drawers for your mother's pantry, giving an excuse to use your brand new D4R, if not an excuse to buy said tool, stick to half-blind uh, dovetails. And that was from Fred. Now, I, I you know what? Fred, when it, when I read this one, I, I really had to kind of laugh about it for a couple different reasons. Well, mainly the dovetails in plywood are a disaster. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time yep. I did it with a jig. I thought I, I thought maybe my blade, my bit was really really dull, but yeah. it's just the fact that I think the result, the better results I've gotten from it are when I finally learned to maybe score certain areas first before I come back and then do it versus just simply plunging through. Yeah, absolutely. Or maybe even buy, buying better quality plywood than some of the some of the crap I've bought before. Sure. Um, and then the other thing is with the the uh, the actual through dovetails themselves. He's absolutely right about uh, cutting the pins a little oversized. I do this all the time, especially since I'm really trying to get myself to do as many hand-cut dovetails as I can. And the key to my success so far has been this idea of having them a little oversized. So then I go to do my initial test fit, and you can see where the wood's going to dent just a little bit. Or even you can put like a pencil mark on it, and then when you go to put it in there, it'll leave a mark so you know where to just slightly chisel just a little bit until you get that perfect fit. So it's all trial and error up and down. But, you know, if you've got a great jig that maybe after a couple of test fits, you do get perfect ones, you know, more kudos to you. That's that's a great way to go. But if not, if you got to work on a little bit, definitely the stop and go, I guess, is the best way you're going to have to go. But you'll you'll get those you'll sneak up on those best results as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for anyone who didn't listen to last week's, was it last week when we talked? Okay, so anyone who didn't listen last week, we were debating whether or not it was better to, uh, for a beginner, somebody who was in a rush, basically to cut the um, uh, half blinds or through dovetails first, and we were kind of going back and forth. So that's what this is in reference to. And um, I think that's a great idea. He's right, because you do, when you cut them this way, you have a chance to uh, to play with that fit without destroying your initial cut. You could just cut a little bit deeper. Um, you know, it actually works out really well. So uh, good advice, Fred. We really appreciate that. Absolutely. And uh, for the reference for it was, it was two weeks ago, and that was uh, Roberto, I think, uh, half-blind tovetails. <clears throat> so... <laughs> 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 yeah, that was that was a funny conversation. Hey, I you know this completely aside, um, and and definitely not on our list of things to talk about. I uh, I oh. was you know, somebody in my chat room told me that uh, e- that there was a, a comment made at the end of one of your shows about you and I having a feud. Oh, yeah, so, and I'm surprised you don't remember this. I'm still really ticked off. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so he told me this, and he's like, "Oh, I, I hope I didn't start anything." I'm like, "Look, I know I talk to Matt every week. I know there's no problem. I'm just curious what." like what started this like where where did this even come from so i went and listened to it and sure enough your comment was funny but obviously it was tongue-in-cheek so what was the the origin of that did someone really ask you about you and i being in a feud or was that a joke (laughs) yeah no there was there was an actual email that came in 
but it was it was a joke within the the email okay. and he okay. was kind of he was it was a guy who usually him and i kind of go back a little bit and that was like one of those he, he brought up this thing he's like and what's this whole thing this rumor about you and mark being in a fight what <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> it just goes to show you how the rumor mill works i mean i have heard so many things from other people like you know 18th party you know telling me that oh i heard you did this and like, what are you talking about? Where did you get that? You know, so this, uh, I, I'm sure it will go down in history that you and I have some, some, some sort of a feud here. Absolutely. And if Wood Talk Online ever ends, it's all your fault. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and speaking, you know, since we're at the end of the emails here, I guess I could throw another little unscripted thing. Next week, uh, we will actually have a special guest host. And um, it will, well, I'm not going to tell you who it's going to be. Um, it's a very swell guy. Absolutely. I'll, yep. I'll leave it at that. He's he's entertaining and uh, it should be a lot of fun. And we're going to try and do that a little bit more often and have some guest hosts in here uh, just to kind of shake things up and to keep us awake and, uh, you know, make it a little bit, uh, well, just different, you know, something else to listen to. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a really neat, you know, another perspective to get in there and everything. So I know everybody will really love the whole thing. It's yeah, definitely that's... a neat one. Well, that's what the whole thing with Wood Talk Online is all about. I mean, we've got numerous authors that contribute, and uh, I'd like to have just as many authors uh, in the sense of uh, contributing to the audio uh, podcast version of the show just because it's – I mean, it's just I, I want to hear what other people have to say. Obviously, there are hundreds of ways to get things done in, in the workshop, and depending on our backgrounds and just our opinions and personal tastes, you know, I mean, people will probably get sick of just hearing what you and I have to say all the time. So it's uh, it's nice to hear what other people have to say. I know I get sick and tired of hearing myself, anyways. But <laughs> yeah, me too. I gotta I gotta take these headphones off because my own voice is killing me here. <laughs> no, I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's it's going to be a really nice nice new perspective. That's the best part about it, it and it feeds right into that whole evolution thing. Yeah, so, for show. Sweet. Um, you know, oh, well, one, more, uh, one more thing with that uh, okay. that feud thing. I want to go back to that. Um, <laughs> okay. You you left a comment on my blog asking me about it, and you said, you know, we, I, we can be the Jets and the Sharks. And I'm not sure if you saw yeah. my response, but. No, I, I didn't yet. Okay. Now, were, were the, the Jets the Hispanic ones? Because they had some real flavor to their dance moves. And if that's the um, case, I'm totally for it. <laughs> <laughs> I can never remember which ones were which, but, uh, well, you could be the Hispanic ones. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think either one of us could pass, but, uh, yeah, 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 she, you could be them. I actually, I think, it, I think it was the Sharks. Okay. Damn. Maybe. It wasn't. You know what? It was like I think I was a sophomore in high school when I read that. So okay. <laughs> I had no idea, and I hated it when I read it. It's just easy to make fun of. But <laughs> no anyway. problem. But just for the record, we're not having a feud yet. Yeah, there's no. Yeah, there is definitely no feud amongst woodworkers here. That's right. So sweet. Well, you know what? It's towards the end of the show, and I'm thinking. We had mentioned at the beginning that we were going to do our Highland Woodworking Wood Slicer bandsaw blade giveaway. So, sure enough, did what do you say we like reach into uh into the into the pot over here and grab? I can do a, a drum roll. Yep. I'll do a drum roll. Oh, do the drum roll. That's even better. My tongue's getting numb. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I've got the. I'm like. Okay. I was waiting for. That. I thought you were gargling. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> so we have our winner, and this month's winner for our wood slicer bandsaw blade from Highland Woodworking, the great folks over there, is uh, Brent Conaway. Brent, congratulations! And he is actually right there in Arizona. Let's see. It's uh, really. Yeah, Queen Creek, Arizona. Actually, yeah, that's just uh, it's about 40 minutes away. Oh, well, sweet. Well, congratulations, Brent. What I'm going to do is I will go ahead and get a hold of you, and uh, we'll pass your name on to the fine folks over at Highland Woodworking, and they will turn around and 
get a hold of you. And they'll make arrangements so that you can get the right size for you and get that off to you. And you'll have yourself a brand new wood slicer bandsaw blade. So congratulations, Brent. And congratulations. If, That's if great. If you haven't gotten your name in yet and you're interested in winning one, because we're going to give one away every single month, get your name in to WTOPromo at gmail.com. And uh, you could be as lucky as Brent. Well, maybe not as lucky. You know, some people just aren't lucky, I guess, naturally. I know I'm not. <laughs> some people aren't. But you know what? you got a good chance of winning, so – Uh, Get your name in there. And remember, once your name is in there, you're in there for life. Uh, So we'll continue to to pick from the same pool of email addresses. So if you don't win, fret not. As long as your email address is in there, you're good to go. That's right. And, uh, of course, you know, you could always uh, email us questions and comments, woodtalkonline at gmail.com. And, of course... Because I scrolled up and I now have the voicemail number in front of me. I can read it. (laughs) It's uh, 623-242-2450. And I know it might be a toll call for some of you, but suck it up. It'll be like a dime. And you get your like moment of fame on Wood Talk Online where millions and millions will hear you. Yeah, and clearly we give preferential treatment to the voicemail. So, I mean, send in a voicemail, and unless you're, uh, you know, going to prank call us and say Baba Booey or something like that, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll definitely, well, you know what, if you do that, we'll play it anyway. Yeah, but- absolutely. I'm like, oh, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that uh, just about wraps up another one in the can here. Excellent. All right, so, folks. Uh, well, thanks for stopping by and uh, listening to the show, and let's get all those comments and questions and feedback in. Yeah, definitely, and I think we'll uh, we'll be able to put another show out. Uh, well, it'll be the next few weeks if we keep getting these guest guest uh, hosts on. So we will see you a little bit more frequently now. Absolutely, the, the woodworking season is upon us. So Woo-hoo, finally, make wood stuff. Make wood stuff. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right, take care, everybody. <laughs> Adios.